welcome to the all new, all different, number one comics podcast, episode number 35. We are a weekly comic book podcast where each and every episode we take a brand new baby released comic book and we cut its umbilical cord and <laughs> read the book and break it down. I don't know, Bob. I couldn't come up with uh, it's anything. Yeah. Interesting comparison. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little scared of myself don't know now. How it so. work, don't know how it works with fans. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, we give it a bottle. I don't know. What do you do with a baby that's newborn? Um, wipe the blood off? I, this is getting really <laughs> gross and I don't want to think about it anymore. But anyways, uh, we get a brand new released comic book and we uh, break down the story and art and give it some sort of a review and tell you if we think that you should move on to issue number two or not we also talk about a little bit of comic book news if it exists and what's new at comic book shops this and next week oh and by the way i'm dan that's bob say hello bob hello bob let's do this thing bob episode number 35 this week we will be taking a very deep dive into the all-new number one from boom studios hunt for the skinwalker that's right, kids. Bob is a skinwalker. You hear, heard it here first. We'll be right back. And we are back with episode number 35 of the all-new, all-different number one comics podcast. Bob, let's talk about news. Is there more than last week? There's Which last week there was none, so <laughs> even one piece of news would be an improvement. Well, I figured we could just talk about the Flash movie again. Uh, <laughs> okay, let's do this. <laughs> yeah, super exciting, you know, to everybody out there. Uh, no, there's there's a little bit of news, not okay. not anything that pressing, but it's it's comic book related news nonetheless. Uh, Marvel has up or, or sorry, Marvel Studios has updated their uh, release schedule. If, if you've not seen that, so now we have some new concrete dates for some of this stuff. Yeah, did they move a couple of them back? Yeah, uh, we've got Loki season two dropping October six. We've got the Marvels, the movie, November eleventh. Not to be confused with the musical. <laughs> I'd love a Marvels musical. That sounds <laughs> awesome. Uh, what about that, uh, what was that, like, uh, Captain America musical thing that happened? Uh, yeah, um, 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 oh, jeez. Um, Rogers something, the musical, I don't know. I can't remember the name of it, but, uh, yeah, I think, <laughs> you, I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, you, you can actually find it at Disney. Yeah, exactly, yeah, they, they made it a thing. Yeah, sounds, sounds super fun. Either way, we've got, for Christmas, apparently Christmas Day, I'm guessing, what if season two is coming out? Wow. Yeah, so I, you know, don't worry about like gifts or anything. Just sit down at the Disney Plus and watch some What If. I, I know I will. I'm excited about yeah. that. So, really cool. Uh, January, no hard date, but January Echo is supposed to come out, and early 2024 again with no hard date. X Men '97, and then in the fall, we are supposed to get Agatha. But get this, Bob, they have changed the name to the Agatha yes. Show. It is now Agatha Darkhold Diaries. So. How do you feel about that name change? I actually like the name Darkhold Diaries better than Coven of Chaos. I like them both. They're both really good names, but I do like the fact that we're bringing out the Darkhold in the title here. Right. So it's hopefully going to be really important to the season and really important, or the show rather. Uh, I, I'm really excited about that, especially, you know, it's, it's the Darkhold. It takes... Uh, well, especially considering the Darkhold was supposedly destroyed. Yeah. 
You can't destroy the dark hold, Bob. That's this, not a thing that's going to happen. This is this is true. <laughs> yeah, this is true. You can't destroy the dark hold. No. You can only hope to contain it. <laughs> hope, hope to contain it. It's not happening. But yeah, uh, really, I don't know. A different schedule there. Hopefully that one sticks. But I don't know how much of that has to do with you know the writer strike and stuff that's going on. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much of this stuff is like already filmed or completed or whatever. So. Uh, especially something, you know, coming out as late as fall next year, I'm thinking that maybe a lot of it's not completed yet or, or maybe reshoots and stuff like that's not done. So maybe they're trying to retcon that whole Ralph Boner (laughs) deal. So in other news, Valiant is coming back again, 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 again. Uh, we're getting, uh, Valiant coming back, and they've teamed up with something called Alien Books. I don't know what that is, okay. but Alien Books will kick things off in November with the release of Ninjak Super Killers. Bob, do you pronounce it Ninjak or Ninjake? Ninjak. Okay, I do too, but I just wanted to make sure. Ninjake sounds like a bad Atlanta rapper's name. <laughs> I'm actually going to... That's my new rap name. So Ninjake? Yeah, look out for my SoundCloud. It's, it's happening. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm going to drop... You're already at, in a band. <laughs> sure. I'm going to drop the same time that Agatha Darkhold Diaries comes out, so look for my new SoundCloud rap uh, fall 2024. But yeah, uh, Ninjak Super Killers... And it was originally going to be a four-issue mini, but now it's going to be two oversized issues. So, two oversized issues of Ninjak, followed by a unreleased fourth issue of Exo Manowar Unconquered in December. And then they're going to start releasing new material in February with a very... Now, this is going to be hard for me to say. Mm-hmm. They're crossing Valentine's Day with Valiant, so Valiant Times Day, I guess. Valiant Times Day, <laughs> special. Okay. Yeah, and it's a collection of, uh, I, I'm guessing, romantic stories. And then in March, we're getting a new Britannica and a Livewire series, as well as uh, the Valiant's Team Up book, which is, I, I'm guessing, like you know, a Justice League or or Avengers style book. So, yeah, looking, I. I can't lie. I'm looking forward to that. The writing on all the newer Valiant stuff has been really, really good. It just, it sucks that it doesn't stick. Like, that not enough people are interested in that universe to to make any of those books stick for, like, long term. And they have to reboot all the time. But that last Shadow Man series was amazing. Uh, the original Harbinger run is, like, one of the coolest books ever. I really, really dig that book a lot. Uh, the Faith stuff that came out, like, uh, I'm at this point, probably almost 15 years ago, was was really, really good. Um, There's been some really good stuff from Valiant out there, but if you're not a uh, Valiant head like me, then then I don't know. Maybe just jump on it. It's it's good stuff. One of my favorite books in in recent memory, and this has to have been like 10 years ago, was... uh, uh, Oh, now I can't think of the name of it. So Ravage or not Ravage. Um, uh, No, I'll I'll think of the name of it later. But it starts with R. Rapture. Rapture, that was it. Okay. Um, Rapture, such a good book. Uh, it was like a little mini. Um, it, it, it was really, really cool. If you ever, I, I'm not going to be able to sell it well here, but if you ever get a chance, check that out. It was really awesome. Um, in other news, I'm sure you heard about Jerry Conway. Maybe not like particularly sad news because we keep hearing of all these deaths and stuff. Like 
we're in that we're in that scary three zone. You know how like every time that like right. somebody comes dies, threes, like yeah, it comes in yeah. threes. So we got the uh, uh, what what was it? Jimmy Buffett died, and then um, somebody else died. Right Gary Wright. Who was it? Gary Wright. Is that the Dreamweaver guy? Yeah. Okay, so the Dreamweaver guy, and I, I I don't know off the top of my head. I feel like there was a couple more, but um, but yeah, Jerry Conway. Uh, Kind of let me let me knock on wood here because it's always scary whenever you're dealing with cancer to say that somebody's beat cancer or something like that, um, because you know uh, historically a, a lot of times you you beat cancer and then it like really aggressively comes back or something. So I, I hope that's not the case. But at least for the the time being, Jerry Conway is kicking cancer's ass right now, which is really cool. He was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer in October, which is. I don't know about you, Bob, but I've never even really heard of anybody being cured of pancreatic cancer. It's usually a death sentence. I have, I have any. Well, I mean, when you're talking about the big C to begin with, I yeah, mean, we, you know, we both know historically mm -hmm. how that usually pans out. And I mean, whether you know somebody or not, yep. you know, who has cancer is going through cancer. I mean, you know the survivability rates on that and the rates as far as if it relapses or anything so yep. it's it's definitely once once you hear that word it's kind of like oh man it's a serious yeah never never a good thing to hear but like i said some some bright news uh he was diagnosed pancreatic cancer back in october he had the tumor removed and he spent like a whole lot of time getting other surgeries and being treated and I, at least right now, you know, the note from the doctors is he's on the road to recovery. Like he's, he's got no cancer. So yeah, that, that, is, that is definitely some awesome news to hear. Yeah. That is like when dealing with cancer, that is the best news you can hear, it is. you know, uh, again, like it's sad to say, and it sucks to think about and everything, but I mean, it's never a 100% guarantee that it's not going to come back, but, um, the best thing you can hear is, "Hey, you're you're good for right now. Go live your mm -hmm. life." You know, so yeah. that's that's awesome. I'm glad, glad that he has revealed that. But the kind of cool thing about it is, or not cool. I mean, uh, of course, you know, anybody dealing with like a life threatening illness like that, you never know how you would deal with it yourself, or, or how you would be, or whatever. But, but he kind of waited to say anything until it was looking up for him. So. Mm -hmm. He kind of said, like, you know, in not so many words, he didn't want people to feel bad for him and all this, so he just really didn't say anything. Mm -hmm. um, and and now that it looks like, you know, he's on the mend, now he wanted to come out and say something about it. So so kind of cool, um, you know, just it, whatever. But, uh, but yeah, really, really stoked about that. Hopefully Jerry Conway is with us for a lot longer and not suffering at all and just living an awesome life, going to conventions, signing things, having fun, doing stuff. Um my last little tiny bit of news is World Tree News, so I know you're excited about that, Bob, because we both absolutely love that book. World Tree number one is getting a fifth print. Wow. It's going to five printings, and I honestly don't see it slowing down after that. I see it going to, like, uh, the sky's the limit. Seven, the, eight. Could you see the killing joke territory? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like this book is pretty unstoppable. It's such a good book, and it's so... It is out there but it it's able to just like reel you in because yeah, it's, it's so good it, yeah it's, it's just such a good read 
Again, Bob, we're going to have so much trouble. I just, I, I want you to visualize for a second the end of the year episode. We've got to sit here and, and talk about all these books that we've read and all the books that we've talked about on the show. And yeah, stuff. that's going to be tough. Yeah, and then like, it, it, you know, it comes down to like, all right, Bob, you got to pick one. <laughs> I don't know how the hell we're going to do it. Right, Yeah. right. I mean, it's easy enough to sit here week to week and break down a book and, and talk about it and all of that. But, but going, but going through a year's <laughs> yeah. back catalog, that's yeah. that's and picking. Okay, this is my favorite <laughs> art. This is my favorite story. Mm -hmm. This is my favorite in this genre. Yeah, yeah. that's that's gonna be tough. Yeah, this is this is gonna be really really hard. So I'm 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 gonna be again plugging that now because just just know that blood, sweat, and tears <laughs> are going to go into that episode. Bob will be up all night crying, trying to figure out what <laughs> book is number one for him. <laughs> That's all the news I got, Bob, unless you got anything. We are I got gonna, nothing. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. And we are back with the all-new, all-different number one comics podcast, episode number 34. Five. 35. Bob, how could you let me slip? Because <laughs> uh, that's what I do. <laughs> Bob, let's talk about some books that dropped in comic book shops this week. That's right, everybody. You can still probably go to your local comic book shop, ask for a copy of one of these books. Maybe you can still get it online if that's your thing. Uh, but just know, don't wait too long because some of these things could sell out there's some first appearances. There's some cool first issues. Uh, get on it quick is all I can say. From Dark Horse Comics, we have Masters of the Universe, Forge of Destiny. I really like that title. It's super fun. Um, and it's Masters of the Universe. Bob, have you watched the uh, Masters of the Universe that's that's on uh, Netflix? Sorry, Netflix. Uh, yeah, the one with uh, Mark Hamill is a uh, sculptor. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, I I enjoy that. I really enjoy that one. Awesome. Well, this book is a prequel to that uh, series, Revelation. So definitely want to pick that up. That's that's really cool. Uh, also from Dark Horse, we got Terrace Apart number one. Terrace Apart. Uh, the solicit reads: Deep in the Canadian wilderness, a vicious cult dedicated to an ideology of pain trains children to become deadly assassins, but two teenagers become the target of the murders when they fall in love. So, uh, really fun, high-concept book there. Excited to check that one out. From Image Comics, we got the new number one, Kill Your Darlings. And uh, this, this one sounds like a, a really fun book. Uh, I talked to the creators of this book a while back, we weren't able to schedule to get them on the show, but mm -hmm. um, but this one does sound really cool. The solicit for this one reads, A young girl loves to play pretend in a magical kingdom of her own creation until the line between fantasy and reality disappears and she's pulled into a gruesome saga that began centuries before her birth. So, really cool book. If you look at the normal cover for this one, it, it looks like, you know, just a... I don't... I don't know exactly like what to, you know, compare it to or whatever, but it just looks like a, you know, like a regular book, like whatever. Now, if you look at the, uh, the B cover variant that, um, Ryan Stegman did, <laughs> it looks insane. It's like all bloody and there's like this little girl just covered in blood and stuff. And it, it just looks like a crazy, crazy book. So 
Again, definitely one to check out there. From DC Comics, we got Batman 137. This has the reintroduction of one of Bob's favorite characters of all time, Vandal Savage. So. <laughs> reintroduction. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, technically Vandal can't die. Yeah, sure. So um, he's, he's being reintroduced here. There was a couple of cool variants for this. Of course, Batman's always got about five or six covers now at this point, um, and, and usually most of them are pretty good. But there was a nice Rose Besh cover uh, that I liked a lot, so that's the one I picked up. But yeah, that uh, pretty pretty cool. We also got, look, solicited here, and I, I could be wrong, but I'm seeing Blue Beetle number one. I don't know if this came out the week before. I kind of feel like it did, but it, it, it may have been out this week. I'm not too sure, but either way, we'll talk about it. Uh, Blue Beetle number one, first appearance of the Blood Scarab. And then we got Fire and Ice, Welcome to Smallville, number one. Really, really great Jen Bartell uh, variant for, for that book that I picked up. We got Peacemaker Tries Hard, issue number five. And this one had some really great covers as well. There's like a movie poster homage and just some really cool stuff out there. It's had first appearance of Teen Deathstroke and War Maker. And then we got Poison Ivy, issue number 14, with the first appearance of Peter Undone, I, I'm going to go with, I, I, I don't know, U-N-D-Y-N-E, Undyne, Undone, I'm, don't know, uh, don't, I, I don't know how to pronounce that Y in that, uh, <laughs> that, that order there, but we'll, we'll leave it at that. Over to Marvel Comics, Amazing Spider-Man issue number 31 got a second printing, and that is the one where uh, Mary J. Watson assumes the jackpot uh, costume, and then it's got that really, really cool second print cover, the all-white cover. It looks like a magazine with, with her in the full costume. Right. So definitely one to pick up. It was $10, but I think that I, I'm okay with that. You know, It's a big book, and it's got a great cover, so whatever. Silver Surfer Rebirth Legacy, number one. Got the Rons on that one. And then we got Spider-Gwen Annual, number one, with Spider-Gwen versus White Fox in the Contest of Chaos uh, annual storylines that's been going on. We also got Star Wars issue number 38, part of the Dark Droids tie-in, and Star Wars Dark Droids number two, which is equally part of the Dark Droids tie-in, you know, hence the title and all that. And those are some of the new books that are coming out this week or have come out. As I said, you can still hopefully hit up your local comic book shop, see if you can get a copy of one of them. Um, one of the books that came out this week is one of the ones that we will be talking about. Very soon, uh, Hunt for the Skinwalker number one, when we return from this brief break. And we are back. This is the all-new, all-different number one comics podcast, episode number 35. We are talking about the new Boom Studios book, Hunt for the Skinwalker, issue number one, by Zach Thompson and Valeria Burzo. I'm going to go over a quick overview from Boom Studios about the book. Then we'll get into my synopsis and the history of the creators before we talk about the book. But from Boom, working hand-in-hand hand with Dr. Colm Kellner, uh, sorry, Keller, and George Knapp, and incorporating never-before-seen new revelations, writer Zach Thompson and artist Val... Valeria, Val, Valeria, Valeria. <laughs> my God, Valeria Burso, adapts the category-defying godfather of modern-day paranormal research nonfiction book, Hunt for the Skinwalker, 
inspired by one family's confrontation with the unexplainable and terrifying and what happened when they invited the largest scientific investigation of the paranormal to their ranch. So that is the synopsis for the whole book. And I can go into the synopsis of this uh, first issue, but just please be aware that it's pretty long and I'm going to stumble quite a bit. So we're used to it by now. Yeah, sure. Unidentified flying objects, animal mutation, or sorry, mutilation, terrifying otherworldly cryptids, cryptoids, cryptids, countless strange phenomenon. For more than 50 years, a remote ranch in the Utena Basin has been the most significant nexus for the paranormal. Um, I like that word nexus because it just makes me think of the nexus of all realities, and I'm hoping that man will <laughs> this book, even though it's not a Marvel book, and it's supposedly nonfiction. Inspired by one family's confrontation with the unexplainable and terrifying, and what happens when they invite the largest scientific investigation of the paranormal to their ranch. Based on the 2005 groundbreaking, electrifying nonfiction book by Dr. Colm Keller and veteran investigative journalist George Knapp that revealed the captivating true story of Gorman Ranch for the first time, seizing mainstream imagination and inspiring high-profile investigation, documentaries, and genre fiction in various media. Now working hand-in-hand with Keller and Knapp, and incorporating never-before-seen new revelations, writer Zach Thompson and Valeria Berzo adapt the category-defying tale in a series of in a series perfect for fans of "I Hate This Place" and "The Low Low Woods." Um, those are two like very different books than this to me, but I'll I'll take it. Before I get into my synopsis, I want to talk about the creators for just a sec. Of course, we have Zach Thompson, the writer of this book, and I, I think at this point we're both pretty familiar with Zach Thompson. He's, he's been around for, for a minute at least, but he did uh, Nature's Labyrinth for Mad Cave Studios, No One's Rose for Vault Comics, Kazar, Lord of the Savage Land for Marvel, uh, he did a Yondu miniseries for Marvel, as well as Cable. If you remember that book, Lonely Receiver for Aftershock, he did that. Very, very weird book, uh, as is this. Age of X-Men, The Marvelous X-Men. I Breathe the Body, which is by far one of the strangest books I've ever read in my life. Uh, <laughs> very, very cool, though. And actually, a friend did a variant cover for that. So, um, really, nice. yeah, somebody... That's the only variant cover he's done, but... Um, Really, really cool uh, variant that he did. Her Infernal Descent, Relay, The Dregs, uh, X Men Unlimited, Infinity Comic, Come Back, or sorry, Come Into Me, uh, also a very, very weird comic. <laughs> um, and and the list goes on and on. He's done a lot of uh, independent stuff, done a lot of stuff for Marvel, um, done some stuff for Valiant. Speaking of Valiant, Bloodshot, uh, Rising Spirit. But yeah, really, really cool creator. Been in the game for for a little while here, and. Valeria Verzo, kind of newer to, to this whole thing, but Castle Fool of Blackbirds is the, the I, I don't know, the biggest thing I can think of that, that they've worked on, and Witches of World War II from TKO Comics. That one is super cool, and I wish that I had a copy of that because it sounds like such a cool title. 
We also have the Dark Horse comic that is yet to be released, Headless Horseman, the Halloween annual number one, with uh, Valeria's artwork in there. So something to look forward to. But yeah, kind of a newcomer to the game. And then, of course, this cover art by Martin Simmons. Um, if you're familiar with Department of Truth, that's obviously right. <laughs> that same artist there. So really, really cool stuff. I'm going to go into my synopsis real quick, Bob. And I'll try to keep mine brief. It's not quite as long as theirs. So <clears throat> Hunt for the Skinwalker opens with the Gorman Ranch in Utah in 1996. Tom, the dad slash husband of the family, is out working on the ranch when his wife Ellen comes in with groceries. And they both notice things missing or out of place. <clears throat> Later at night, a wolf approaches the family and acts very strange. Tom shoots it, but it still manages to walk away. We then flash forward to 1977. We learn the lore of the Skinwalker, which is a type of witch who can alter their shape at will and assume the characteristics of certain animals. Ellen later calls the police to report a wolf with Tom gone, and when Tom returns, he wakes the kids and goes outside with a shotgun to find a really, really odd-looking UFO that they think is an RV for some reason. And the next day, Tom heads to work. Ellen sees another UFO with a man inside. Tom returns, and knowing that they can't afford to leave the ranch, he contacts the National Organization for Speculative Science. And the book ends with one of the scientists looking at a UFO with binoculars. And Bob, my favorite part of the whole book here is that very last panel when the scientist lowers the binoculars and there's a tear running down his cheek because I'm not sure what was going on there. I don't know why he was crying, um, <clears throat> but I really like that. So I have to point out that panel because it's very, very interesting. So let's uh, break this thing down then. Um, uh, we've got <laughs> a very interesting story, and I think, I think there's going to be some caveats here. I think that this one's going to be a little bit different for us to review, a little hard for us to review because whether, you know, you believe in this kind of stuff or not or whatever, <clears throat> it is being labeled as nonfiction. So typically anything that we've uh, talked about before has been purely fiction. Uh, so we have to look at this in maybe a little bit of a different light. I'm not sure. Um, and... This is something that's like heavily documented out there. There's that Skinwalker Ranch television right. show. There's lots of books. There's documentaries. So, you know, things like X-Men and World Tree and stuff like that. There's not really any other media, um, you know, aside from it. Uh, not to say there's not X-Men movies and stuff, but you understand what I mean. Like, there's... But it, it, it's not based on real world events. Yeah. yeah, so this is going to be a little different. I mean, I, I think, I, I guess to say, like, to, to critique... A, a story and the way it's being told um, when it's supposedly based on true events is a little hard to, you know, to critique it and say, well, I wouldn't have done this here. I think this was wrong. I mean, they're trying to tell a true story, so I can't really tell them what to do. But, um, but yeah, just know that going into our review here, it's, it's going to have to be a little bit different for us. I guess we'll have to kind of talk about it with some caveats involved. But... Mm. But let's let's do let's talk about the story beats about how this goes from A to B. Uh, let me say right up front also another uh, little thing that I want to throw in there. I before I say anything, and this might be telling, um, I think that Zach Thompson is a phenomenal writer. I think that he's very very good at what he does. 
and I'm not sure that this is his best work. But, or maybe that having to adapt this might be a little bit different than what Zach's used to. So. Well, yeah, and I mean, that's the thing, because it's not like... It's not like it's a totally original story. I mean, yeah. you've got a comic which is, of course, it's going to tell a story because yep. it's a comic. Yep. But it's based off of a real life location, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which has had real life documentation of strange goings on, <laughs> yeah. strange creatures, and livestock and all that mm-hmm. going missing. So it's it's going to be hard to tell a totally original story. Yeah, and and again, like like you were saying, the the events have to unfold the way they unfolded. So to right. to take the story beats and say they don't work or something like that's not fair, um, for for us to say really. But but just in in you know reading a comic book, let me say that my opinion of the story beats here is this is very. I I said it to you, you know, before we started. It's reminding me a lot of like a you know, one of those clips of an episode of Unsolved Mysteries. It's it's kind of, here's this family. Here's what happened. You know, like, uh, yeah, it I, and, plays that way. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'm the same way. The story beats in this, you know, if I, were to, if I were to go off of it just strictly from a comic, you know, person's point of view as yep. opposed to somebody who knows the backstory and the lore and mm-hmm, all that, mm-hmm. if I were to go into it as purely... A comic book reader, I gotta say the beats for me were just disjointed. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, you had you know the multiple flashbacks. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you had event A, event C <laughs> yeah. that led to event B, and I don't know. To me, to me, the beats were just disjointed. Yeah, they were kind of all over the place. And and let me say, like towards the middle of the book, where we get that flash forward, I guess, to nineteen seventy seven, where we're getting the explanation of the lore of a skinwalker and the families in the car and the creatures in there and all of that. It just seemed to kind of come out of nowhere. I I couldn't really understand if we were supposed to think that we've completely moved forward in the book to 1977 and everything that's taking place on the ranch after that 1977 flash forward is 1977 and beyond, or if we're back in, in 19, uh, whatever i i don't know it was a little confusing obviously it's a flashback because mm-hmm. you know the book begins with 96 goes to 1977 i think that maybe it it could have said you know we're back in 1997 or, or sorry 1996 or or whatever but it's just i don't know it kind of went in and out kind of weird and, yeah and i didn't really understand that very well um and i didn't understand who that was supposed to be yeah you know it was just a little confusing but um i think that a little bit more exposition could have helped that part of the story beat a, a little bit. Um, which, which is which is weird because, you know, especially with being based on, you know, real events, yep. this book had a good amount of exposition. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, there, there should have been a, a, a good enough amount to explain some stuff. I, I would say that the whole, you know, all the beats kind of suffer from that. We're introduced to Tom and Ellen. Um we're introduced to, we're not really introduced to their daughter. It's just through dialogue that we're introduced to the daughter, the, the son. I don't feel like we ever get introduced to him at all. Like he's just kind of there. Uh, it, again, disjointed was like a, a nice word, a nice way to say that it, it is a little disjointed. It is a little confusing. 
Um, but again, on that curve that that we're you know we've got the caveats of this being based on a true story. I I think that I'm not gonna lie. Just just right up front here, I think that in my personal opinion. I would have taken what I know about the skinwalker phenomenon or whatever, you know, if I was if I was writing this book myself, and I would have uh, created a fictionalized story based on that. Right, right. Um, I right. would not have tried to retell true events. Um, and, and I think that that would be very easy to do. You know, you just say, in this world, they're skinwalkers. Um, they're, like, you know have a heavy presence like here on this ranch or whatever let's like let's create some kind of story kind of like i guess i want to relate it to something like the conjuring or something like that you know that stuff was supposedly based on true events and stuff but it was the story beats worked a lot better than this does um it, it introduces characters it shows them you know living in the home or whatever and then it shows the things that happen and all of that and the trials mm -hmm. and tribulations that happen throughout that and this really kind of doesn't do that it's almost like or reading, um, I, I don't know, like a, a comic book on the back of like a cereal box or something. There's just not much to it. There's no real heart to the story or anything. Um, how about the narrative then? What did you think about the narrative in this book? I, I got to say, you know, that the narrative, you know, like I said, it's this book is exposition heavy. So yeah. I can't really say there's a great flowing narrative yeah agree but for me this is the part of the book that actually worked yeah because yeah. it you know it 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 explained mm -hmm. itself you know it explained what was going on you know it, 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 it i mean it explained everything so for me that the narrative worked yeah i i agree with you it they were able to explain enough of, of what was going on in the narrative um and and while it's kind of clunky and all over the place with the beats um the narrative does kind of like reel that in a little bit and and help you understand what's going on a little bit better but yeah um i, I think the uh you know zach thompson again really great writer really good storyteller mm -hmm. i would expect that you know the narrative of, of something that zach thompson's writing would would do that I think that, you know, again, going back to the beats, it suffers from the story already existing and Zach having to bring that into like comic book form or whatever um, with with the little amount of story that he has. And <clears throat> let me say this, too. This might be like an unpopular opinion. Uh, I'm not I've never watched any of the Skinwalker Ranch or, or seen any of these documentaries or anything, but. There's not a lot of story there. This is like very, very thin. This like it seems like it seems a lot cooler than it actually is to me. Like it, it does seem like one of those very, very short, like, I don't know, eight to 10 minute stories that you get on, on, uh, unsolved mysteries. Um, you're out in a secluded area. There's some form of like alien or monster. It's doing something. Everybody's scared. It's unexplained. Like that's the whole story. Mm -hmm. So I don't feel like there's very much for Zach to really work with and say anything about, and he's got three issues to tell us the story of this family who we're not connected to in any way. Um, we don't even know one of the kids' names. Like, <laughs> they're just kind of there. Uh, the only real way that he can have us connect with them is, is kind of, you know, they brought they bought this property. There's things going on. They can't really afford it. They're having money troubles. 
they can't leave because of those money troubles and everything. Um, that's really the only thing we have to relate to. Like they're kind of just like wooden slates other than that. Um, I'm not seeing much about like their relationship or them, you know, being there for one another or how the kids interact or anything. So it's, it's the, the source material is a little thin in my opinion. Uh, how about the dialogue then? There's not a whole lot. It dips in and out of, you know, narrative and dialogue uh, quite a bit. And this is where I'm going to say, you know, talking about it being really thin, it's very thin in dialogue. Like, I don't feel like I can connect to any of these characters through their dialogue. Yeah, there's, there really isn't a whole, there's a whole lot more <clears throat> exposition than there is dialogue. Yeah, and it's hard because I'm not getting, like, a reading on Tom. Like, I, I would think that, you know, Tom being, like, a rancher out in the, you know, mid-90s or whatever, like, and he, you know, he's, he's a hard-working guy. Like, that's, that's the prototype or whatever stereotype like I, I think of him like but I'm not getting anything from him like I, I don't understand if he really hates to leave Ellen there you know when he has to go work I'm not understanding if you know he wants to get away like I'm, I'm not understanding much about him other than the couple of moments where he's like you know telling Ellen like I'm sorry we're going to talk about the future and all this like it just seems kind of injected in there for for no apparent reason but yeah, you would think through this dialogue, at least, that would be the only way that we could really identify with these characters and, and see what they're, you know, going through and and all of that. And I'm, I'm, I'm really just not feeling that. So, so again, I'm gonna, I kind of blame that on the source material. I don't think it's, it's Zach at all, because I've read plenty of what Zach has written, and he really knows how to tell a story. Uh, I Breathe the Body is one of the most terrifying, you know, things that I've read that he's written and it's just it's out there and it's it's crazy and it's really cool and uh and this is not really anything like that this is uh very very different um but yeah uh the world building then this is one location this is on the ranch uh but it is building a world for the skinwalker and and you know, out here in Utah and everything. Mm -hmm. So, uh, what did you think about the world building? I thought the world building was fine. Yeah. I mean, I I can't I can't really, you know, say much else positive, <laughs> but I can't really say anything negative. Yeah, agreed. Um, the world building was fine. I I agree. It. I mean, yeah, we know we're in a ranch in the middle of nowhere. I mean, at the mm -hmm. end of the book, you know, Tom even talks about taking his um, kids to a jazz game. Yep. So you know, you're in Utah. Yep. Yeah, um, yeah, it works. Uh, that's probably the best thing I can say about it. There's not anything really negative to say about it. No. Um, for what they needed to inject in this book, I don't think there was a lot of time or space to really build out the world any more than that. And again, I mean, based on the source and material, I mean, you really don't need to build any more of a world than... Yep. The ranch itself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, very, very true. Well, let's get into the next part then. The art from the Valeria Berzo. This is this is going to be really hard for me. I don't know if you want to lead, but um, let's... <laughs> I, I'm going to say this. Let me say this right up front, like I did about Zach from the beginning. I like this artwork. This is uh, different. It's pretty unique it's almost reminding me of like i don't know what to call it, it, it but it you know it, it almost reminds me of a colored version of the walking dead comic 
Yeah, yeah, it's got it's got those kind of vibes. It's also like reminding me of some, you know, like simplistic but well done art, like almost like Silver Agey, a little right, bit. Yeah, um, yeah. It's like it's that. yeah, it's almost throwbacky. Um, yeah, I do I really like the art, but let me say this: I feel bad for saying this. This art does not work at all for the story. See, and I, yeah, <laughs> I was think I was thinking the same thing. You know, I mean, to me. To me, a book like this, the art needed to be a little more cleaned up, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm not, you know, knocking Valeria's art no, style I, or anything I, by any means. I'm going to say that every single time, so if anybody comes in and out of this podcast, they don't think we're right. bad-mouthing. I really, really like this artist yeah, a I, lot. Yeah, I, I, I really lot. do too, but I mean, for this for this book, for yeah, what it, it is... it does not work. <laughs> again to me it doesn't work to yeah. me to me i mean you almost need to have like that photorealistic house style either that or what i really wanted to get at was you know the cover artist uh martin simmons uh you know like the the artist that does yeah, department I, of truth yeah. now that would have worked for this book yeah this art i'm sorry it's it's too i i don't know what to call it but it's it's cartoony it's it's got that silver age vibe to it it's it's it does not work for this. Which, yeah, and I mean, it'd, it'd be it'd be fine for a lot of other books. Yes. I mean, it'd even be fine for like a Silver Surfer or Ghost Rider. Book. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, Silver Surfer or Ghost Rider. I mean, throw this artist on on like some Marvel projects. Right. Absolutely, right. yes. Right. I I, mean, I love this art, but it but does I mean, not just, work. Just just for what this book is yeah. and the story it's trying to tell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to me, it just doesn't. To me, it just doesn't work. Yeah, I the contrast is is way too. Right. It, it just doesn't work. Um, so it's gonna be hard to critique it, but we're gonna have to do the best we can. So, what do you think about the character depictions here? I mean, the the character depictions. I mean, we got you know Tom and Ellen <laughs> who are trying to raise their kids. Yep. I mean, you know they're struggling. Yep. I mean, they're you know Tom is definitely depicted as that you know ranch farmhand you yep. know worry about his livestock stuff like that and, and i mean then you got the kids who want to be kids i mean like when um tom wakes the kids up to uh, go out and investigate you mm -hmm. know the um son who again i don't think they i don't think they said his name yeah I don't but think so. he's apprehensive and i mean the daughter is just ready to go yep mm -hmm. so i it, the depictions for me worked. Again, ju just like just like the world building, the depictions to me worked. Yeah, the the depictions were fine. Um, I, I'm gonna say a little more detail in in the bodies and faces uh, would have been um, very helpful to the story. Like I feel like w with it being such a um, you know outlined type of story without like a whole bunch to fill it in. I think that we could have filled it in with the art instead, and that was a missed opportunity. They're they're a little blank here, um, but it's not a knock. It's not a dig on the artist. I think the artist really does a wonderful job. I just don't think it works for the story. I don't think it works for these characters. Uh, the locations then we're you know we're basically just on the ranch here, and then that one little uh, spot where we flash back to the seventies uh, in a car. <clears throat> I think the locations work. Um, they, 
I, I think the, the ranch and everything looks nice. Uh, the, the wooded areas and everything look good. I, I will say, if, if nothing else, the locations look good in the art here. I'm, I'm good with the locations and kind of backgrounds. I think that they work well together. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you have any separate thoughts you, you want to include on that, but... No. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, speaking of the backgrounds, the backgrounds, uh, they kind of tie in with the locations with me, but it, this artist does do what, what you and I both appreciate in backgrounds and, and fills them out. They're all fleshed out. Every yeah, panel the, has... The, yeah, the background, the backgrounds definitely... Definitely work. Yeah, the yeah, like I said, the the panels each each panel's fleshed out. There's a lot going on. We see a lot of the world. Um, it's not that solid color white background type of thing. That's that's not lived in. So so the backgrounds do work well here. If if anything good I can say about this book, um, yeah, it's definitely the uh, locations and backgrounds. They they do work. How about the colors? Uh, I didn't check to see if we had a separate colors here. I think we do, but um, yeah, it's Jason uh, Wordy is the colorist. Uh, I, again, you talked about it looking kind of like a Walking Dead that was colors that are colored. Mm -hmm. I almost get that feel from it. Like, I almost think that this might have looked a little bit better in black and white. Um, yeah, yeah. It feels not, like the colors are just thrown on top a little bit. Right. You know, I'm and I'm not going to lie. I mean, I talked about, you know, the the colored Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, now that you mentioned something, I am thinking to myself, would this book have been better in black and white? I think so. Strip away a little bit of that. Make it a little more uncertain. Um, uh, obviously have a, a way, uh, I don't know, a... a a lot less of a palette, <laughs> you know, just kind of have those whites, blacks, and, and gray tones in there. Yeah, or maybe maybe do um, a combination of both. Maybe have a mm -hmm. mostly black and white, but, you know, you have colors here and there. Yeah. You know, to highlight the really important things. Sure, yeah, maybe the UFO or something, the right. skinwalkers in color, whatever. But, uh, but yeah, um, I, I, I think the colorist knows what they're doing. Uh, it's not a dig on them. Um, it's just, I don't really think it works wonderfully with this artwork here or the tone of the book either. The palette's a little weird in my opinion. Um, I, I, I'm unsure. Um, here's the, uh, important question, of course, Bob, that we always have to come to. Is this enough to make you want to see what's going to happen in issue number two? You know, and, and I've. I watch the History Channel a mm -hmm. lot, so I know a lot about, you know, Skinwalker Ranch. Yep. And I know the lore and all that. And while this book, you know, gets it across, and it, I mean, it's kind of up my alley in mm -hmm. that aspect. You know, I, I got to say, this book just didn't do anything for me. I'm with you. Um, I, I can't recommend that anybody continue on to issue number two because there just wasn't <laughs> enough there. Sorry, first appearance of the dogs. Um, but, yeah, there... It, it, I'm, I feel bad. I, I feel like the creative team is, is really good. I know Zach Thompson's a great writer, and, and I really love this art. I just don't like this team up. I don't like them. I don't like the art in this book. Uh, I, I think maybe they could have taken a page from, you know, Department of Truth or something like Ghost Lore, you know, and had the art uh, kind of go that way, and it would have worked a lot better. But the vibes that this is giving off and the combination just do not work for me. 
And I'm honestly, I wasn't interested in rereading the book to write a synopsis. I'm not interested in reading issue number two. I hate to say it. I think this is probably one of our first hard passes. Uh, it probably won't be a contender for uh, best of the year by the end of the year. But, um, but yeah, this is this this one was not really for us. Maybe it's for you. I don't know. I honestly feel a little bad for myself because this is the book that I picked up the uh, high incentive, the highest incentive I could for. So um, I picked up that one in twenty five, and I'm kind of bummed out that I did now. Uh, you know, spend uh, seventeen dollars on that. But um, but yeah, this was a book. Uh, it wasn't totally for me or Bob. Maybe it's for you. Not sure. We do not recommend that you continue on to issue number two, sadly. But please, again, please uh, let it be known. <clears throat> Zach Thompson is a phenomenal, phenomenal writer. Really, really good writer. Uh, and Valeria is is a outstanding artist. The colors here are, are done wonderfully well. I just don't think that this entire creative team with the source material works. So that is that is what I can say about it. We feel very bad, but we are going to take a quick break and we'll return to talk about some books that are dropping next week. And we are back with episode number 35 of the all-new, all-different number one comics podcast. Bob, let's talk about the books dropping next week. You know what's first, though. Oh, a disclaimer song? <laughs> disclaimer time with Somebody Bob. needs to make one of these jingles. <laughs> yeah. I'm not talented enough to make one of these jingles. So please, somebody do it for me and please send it to us. That's it. That's all you got to do. GMcomics at mail.com. Send it over. Yes. As always, these are just some of the books coming out. And <laughs> these are just based off of one source so please if you want a more in-depth list uh i don't know give your comic shops a call sure. you know scour the internet scour the uh websites for the different creators distributors stuff like that whatever you want yeah look if you don't feel comfortable enough hitting your local comic book shop up and asking them what's coming out next week or whatever you should probably find another comic book shop because they you should, should or you should probably find a new hobby yeah exactly um or, you know, I mean, look, I can't lie. I've encountered uh, comic book shop owners that are absolute dicks before. If you've got one of those, go find a new comic book shop. Um, I know that we could hit ours up anytime. The lovely Gotham City Limit here in Jacksonville, Florida. And we could ask Ben, Jonathan, Ian, whoever, what's coming out next week. And they would gladly tell us. Um, and if you guys don't have that, then hit up our local comic book shop. <laughs> that works. Um, so, to begin the list, from Image Comics, we have a new volume of Creepshow. Man, I'm excited about this one. I really love Creepshow. I loved that first volume, and this one has a preview of Transformers number one, which is right up your alley, Bob. So. Yes, I, I'm, I'm, definitely I'm definitely looking forward to the new volume of Transformers, especially since, uh, what was it, Skybound? Yeah. Is that who picked it up? Yeah, this, yeah, this should be very Yeah, cool. I'm definitely looking <laughs> Um, going to DC, we have Batman, Gargoyle of Gotham, number one, because it's Batman. I'm not actually sure this one is coming out, but, you know, like okay. you said, disclaimer all the way. So, yep. if it is, this is the first appearance of Crytoon, and an issue preceded by an Ash, Ashcan edition distributed one per store that, I don't know, that was like over a month ago at this point, I think. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, sticking with DC, we have World's Finest Teen Titans, number three. 
the first appearance of Toy Boy, an obsessed <laughs> fan of Wonder Girl. Bob, who's not an obsessed fan of Wonder Girl at this point? Do you see all the Wonder Girl? <laughs> um, yeah. No, not you. <laughs> Uh, going to Marvel, we have Venom Annual Number One, a contest of chaos crossover. Yeah, this one's got Venom versus Deadpool. I imagine that this will be a heavily, heavily uh, picked up book. I two fan favorites teaming or not teaming up. Uh, uh what, what's the word? Fight, uh, I don't know. They're gonna fight against one another. Whatever. Mortal Kombat <laughs> style. Hopefully,なんとなんとなんとなんとなんとなんとなんとなんとなんとなんとなんとなんとなんとなんとなんとなんとなんとなんとなんとなんとなんとなんとなんとなんとなんとなんとなんとなんとなんとなんとなんとな
That's that's pretty awesome. Um, going back to Marvel, we have Alligator Loki number one. Yes, Alligator Loki, everybody's favorite creature Loki. Yes. Now this one is a one shot. Be aware, but it's super fun. It's a one shot collection of the Alligator Loki Infinity Comics digitally released series. Um. We have Captain Marvel Dark Tempest number three. This one's got a first team appearance of the Feral Five siblings. Don't even try to say him. Keza, <laughs> <laughs> Blake, Zin, Zane, and Zaka. That's what I'm going to go with. I mean, Keza? yeah. I mean, looking at that first name, even I was kind of like, I'm not even going <laughs> to try to say that. Sure. Uh, we have Ghost Rider number 18. Speaking of not being able to pronounce names, this one has the origin of Talia War Road. I mean, good enough. Good <laughs> sure. enough. It's got a really cool cover, too. I'm, I can't wait to pick that one up. It really does. It has it has kind of a modern Tinkavich style. Yeah, really cool. If I were to say. We have X-Force number 44. The first team appearance of the Wolverine Sentinels, pictured on the cover, likely to be introduced in issue 43. Which, I'm not going to lie, the Wolverine Sentinels just sound awesome. Oh yeah. Give me Helverine, give me the Wolverine Sentinels, come on. And Hot claws, everything. Finally, from <laughs> Dark Horse Comics, we have Usagio Yojimbo, Ice and Snow, number one. A series... Following the Green Dragon story arc. So if you've read the Green Dragon story arc, which I did not, yeah, and I'm course. guessing Dan did not either. I've not read much Usagi Yojimbo, so um, yeah. Very so, cool nonetheless. So yeah, those are just some of the books coming out. Just some. Bob, speaking of books that are coming out, let's talk about the book that we are going to be covering next week. We are, of course, at our very famous wheelofnames.com to check between three books, which one we might be covering next week. And it is between the one-shot Alligator Loki from Marvel Comics, Hexagon Bridge from Image, and Whatnot slash Massive Publishing's Harriet Tubman Demon Slayer. Yes, you heard that right. <laughs> yeah, you did. We were as surprised at the title as you were. And Bob, we are spinning, and it looks like the wheel is landing on Hexagon Bridge. So that's the book we will be talking about next week. Hexagon Bridge from Image Comics. Go ahead, get your copies now so you can follow along next week on the podcast. As always, we are the all-new, all-different, number one comics podcast. This has been episode number 35 Make sure you check us out on social media. We are at Instagram at A-N-A-D underscore number one comics podcast. We're on X or Twitter or whatever the hell it's called at A-N-A-D-N-O comic pod. We're also on TikTok at A-N-A-D number one comics pod. And you can check us out on YouTube under the comic book channel. This and every single week you can win a copy of the book that we just talked about. Of course, this week being Boom Studios' Hunt for the Skinwalker. Hey, maybe you'll love it. Why not pick up a free copy? All you got to do is use our hashtag all new all different nation on a social media post of your choice and you can be entered in the giveaway to win a postage free copy of Hunt for the Skinwalker. Thank you guys so much. Bob, tell them we'll see them next week. I'll see you next week.